This is One Giant Podcast, your source for all things New York football giants. Here are your hosts, Adam Armbrecht and Andy Makowitz. And with that, we are back, friends. And if you had joined me uh, this past Thursday as we got ourselves back into the swing of the podcast, I made a promise to you that I stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, the return of Andy Makowitz. It is great to be back, Adam. Yes. Yes, it is indeed, sir. Now, listen, I don't do a lot of uh, recordings on my own, so I'm hoping that the fan base didn't mind it, but I also didn't prefer it because there's really – there's absolutely zero feedback or – rebuttal no one's curtailing a bad thought that might be spiraling in the wrong direction so hopefully that last one was okay but well Adam first I wanted to say you know it's great to be back and I was doing very important work while we were gone um yeah I, I, I recently came to find out that you can rent an inflatable Irish pub that you can put in your backyard that can fit 40 of your friends. So I'm not saying it's going to happen in the short term, but that's definitely a long-term commitment that I can make to you that there will be a pub in my backyard. Hello. Uh, I, I, I'm going <laughs> to, no, let's, let's stay focused on the podcast for now, but I got a lot of follow-up questions that we can do off air. Giants news and notes. Buddy, happy to have you back here, man. And, and we come in at a really great time. News came down kind of late in the day yesterday uh, that the reports are Jason Garrett is coming in as our offensive coordinator. How do you, how do you feel about him? And and then also, of course, you can give us your your reaction to the, to the coaching staff overall as a, you know, this is your first time back as well after our brief hiatus. Well, so going back to everything, I think, you know, coming back in, this is a great time because the, the bones of our coaching staff has really been solidified with the hiring of Jason Garrett last night. You know, we don't want to touch too much and retread on, on some of the things that you talked about earlier, but I, I do like that we are starting anew. Uh, I think you can, as you said, you can tell that this is Joe Judge's decision. And just by some of the hires, it feels like he gets it. I, I don't know if there's an, a better way to say it or an easier way, but it seems like he wants to be surrounded by the people that, you know, he had success with in New England. But when he has the ability to say, look, I don't, I've never run an organization before. Jason Garrett is available. He ran the Cowboys for <laughs> almost a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is probably going to be his confidant right-hand man. And if you look at Jason Garrett and, and his offenses, whether he was the offense coordinator or he was the head coach, they were basically top 10 in passing yards and, and yards per attempt and, and all the different uh, you know metrics that you look at in terms of passing. So I got to think that having someone like Jason Garrett as an assistant coach, you know, offensive coordinator is got to be, you know, most Giants fans got to feel like this is a coup, right? Yeah. You know, and part of him bringing in his own staff, Joe judge, that is, you know, some of these guys, not as not that familiar with them in terms of what their track records are. And I was okay with that. And then a hire like Jason Garrett, to your point, I think it just brings in a little bit of that stability. You can lean on a guy who's been a head coach for literally is coming off being a head coach for a decade in Dallas uh, and who also has an offensive mind. You know, I think you go back to 2013 from 07 to, to 13, Jason Garrett was calling the offensive plays as well. So, you know, he has familiarity in that, in that area as well. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder about, you know, sticking it to Jerry Jones a little bit or the Dallas Cowboys. That wouldn't hurt our fan base, but I, I do think it's good to have at least one, kind of veteran head coach presence on your staff so that as maybe some things get a little tricky early on, 
you can behind closed doors just go over to you know go over to Garrett and say hey you know what did you do in this scenario when it came to running practices you know what, what did you do in this scenario when it came to disciplining a guy around something small or a minor infraction as far as how you want the team to be run now Joe Judge also seemed to in his press conference make it pretty clear that he has a strong vision about how he wants this team to be run and what he wants players to you know be about um, but I, I just think it can't hurt to have that extra voice in the room so this felt like a good one to me. And, you know, Jason Garrett, hopefully, you know, has going to have a lot of weapons. I think he has a valuable asset in Daniel Jones. We know Saquon Barkley. Before we, before we transition away from it, one of the little things I saw out there online, and this is just a total, you know, whisper in the wind, was could Jason Garrett's presence on the New York football Giants lead to any possibility of them pursuing Amari Cooper? Uh, in free agency, we, we, you know, just that, just out of curiosity, how would that, how would that tickle your fancy? And we, you know, would you want to see the Giants uh, try to invest money at the wide receiver position in Amari Cooper? Short answer, no, I don't want them to do that. Sure. I, <clears throat> I think this is fascinating to me that I look at a lot of the mock drafts and they have us, you know, uh, in the top five saying we should be taking Jerry Judy, we should be taking C.D. Lamb, we should be taking all these different wide receivers you know, number one wide receivers coming out of college. I, I don't know about you, but Darius Slayton, to me, proved that he can be a guy that you can build around. I don't know if he's necessarily a, <clears throat> a number one yet, but he certainly, in his rookie season, outperformed his draft stock. And when you think about the other complementary pieces, I think Golden Tate is a pretty solid number two type of, of, of wide receiver. Sterling Shepard, with all of his concussion issues, is a question mark, but when healthy, he is a great possession player. You know, sometimes in the slot can can work outside. I think we have so many other holes that we need to address, and we have all this cap space that needs to be put towards different places than paying Amari Cooper seventeen million dollars a year. All right. Well, so let's let we, we tie a bow on the coaching staff. I feel good about it. I, it. The impression is that you feel the same way that this is a new opportunity. I like Joe Judge. I like the hire of Jason Garrett, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he impacts this offensive unit you know final footnote before we do move on he was a quarterback he was a backup quarterback for the Giants that's minor but being a quarterback right developing Daniel Jones I think that that's the other incredibly important piece of this hire is you get to get him in the room with Daniel Jones and continue to develop him as a quarterback and I think that's going to be immensely important to his growth over the next season then you know the next handful of seasons uh, and it's not going to hurt him to have a guy that is intimately familiar with the position 2020 NFL Draft. Talk to me, Adam. We are sitting pretty in the top five. So, yes, we are. And uh, there was an interesting article over on Fansided. This one comes from uh, Brandon Olson. This is just coming in within the last 24 hours. So, you know, he dove into a handful of trade-down scenarios for the New York football giants. Now, we can, we can talk about – you can give me your, your impression here. Last episode, I mentioned the idea of Simmons at the linebacker position. Uh, that maybe the Giants are you know, slated there at four to possibly take him to help build out that defense. Obviously, a lot of talk around offensive tackles. There's some different names that are rising up the charts right now. Uh, and you and I have highlighted that offensive tackle, offensive lineman is a fairly deep position this year in the draft. So uh, before, I, before we get into some of these trade scenarios, do you, you know, what, what, what is your preference just to stay there at four? Do you feel like the quality player is there? Because you mentioned earlier about, the, oh, the Giants taking a wide receiver. I mean, I, I can get off of that boat almost immediately. But do you think that there's a quality player there at four that the Giants should lock into? Listen, I mean, it's all about value, right? Like, how do you know what the value is that you're getting out of, you know, the, 
the particular pick that you have. If you're not going to get what you're asking for in, in terms of maybe a, another first rounder or maybe a couple second rounders to be able to trade back, depending how far you trade back, I'm fine sitting at four. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, uh, when you, when you're a fan and you want to accumulate draft stock and the team doesn't make the move, it's not that they weren't trying, you know, they, they just need to get commensurate value with what they're going to be going to be doing if they mm-hmm. trade back. So for me, I think there's uh, quite a few impact players, you know, in the top five that I think I would be very happy with. You talked about Simmons before we've talked about the offensive tackles. I, don't believe we should be drafting a wide receiver. You talk about the cornerback position is another potential area that, that we've been looking. So for me, I, I think it's great, but it sounds to me like there are maybe six or seven teams that could potentially trade into the top five to take a quarterback like Justin Herbert, if they believe that he's, he's going to be a guy they can you know mold into their vision of a, a franchise quarterback. There are guys like Tua who come with injury risks, but have such a high upside the Giants are kind of sitting in a great position, especially sitting in front of my, the Miami Dolphins, where we kind of hold a lot of the keys to, to this draft. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, one of the first things, and whether it is, like you said, Herbert, Tua, there, there's a couple of those are the names. You know, who wants to take a bit of a risk on Tua at this point coming off that injury? Let's go into the first one here, Miami. Now, you say, well, they're right behind us. What do they need to move up to our position for? So theoretically, uh, what Brendan Olson is speaking to here is that Miami needs to move up because other teams may want to get up ahead of them in order to make their selection a quarterback. So in, in this scenario, we go ahead and move back one spot, grab up a third-round pick at six, and a sixth-round pick at six as well. You know, that feels like somewhat of – you could call that to me like, oh, that could be a no-brainer just to get a little more value, right? We, we slide back a spot, they take a quarterback, we still get the player that we want one spot behind us. That one doesn't seem like a difficult one to pull the trigger on outside of maybe saying, do you want to try to squeeze a little more juice out of, uh, out of Miami? Yeah. I mean, I, I would like that. If you get any value, you know, we're not taking a quarterback in that position now that we feel Daniel Jones is the future. And if you can get any value by moving one pick back and still getting the same guy that you were going to draft, you, you would take it. You know, the, the one thing I don't like about trading with the dolphins is I, I just don't feel like it, it, it it gives us enough impact and, and we're going to be talking about other teams having to move up, you know, them moving up one spot, you know, yeah, they, they kind of pay a little bit of a tax and, and hand us over a couple different picks, but it doesn't move the needle for me as much as the leverage does that we have over the dolphins. If they really want someone like Tua or Herbert or whoever, right. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. And and again, because they're right behind us, right. It could be that stamp hat scenario. This more feels like on a draft day where, you're talking with multiple teams and saying, well, Miami's interested. You know, if, if you, you know, they, we got, we, they're offering, they're offering us to come up from five to four. If you want to get here, you're going to have to impress us beyond what they're willing to do because we can take this one spot step back and still, like you said, get our guy in that scenario. By the way, in that scenario, that third, a high third round pick would of course be replacing one of those picks lost in the Leonard Williams trade. So food for thought there. You go right down behind them to the Chargers and uh, they pick at six. Now, this is, again, a team that maybe is looking to get up there and wants to get a Justin Herbert to replace Phillip Rivers. Feels like his time is all but done there in, in L.A., unfortunately. And just a quick side note, man, quarterbacks, when, when it's over, it's over, right? I mean, coming into the season, I don't think you thought Phillip Rivers was washed. And then if you watch the handful of his games this year, trying to watch him get that ball down the field, trying to watch him move in the pocket, I mean, it, it, was, it was sad. It was sad to watch. 
It, it, it is sad. The decline happens and, and it, it's, it, you don't, you don't know what it is until you see it. And this year it, it was pretty bad for Philip Rivers. You know, his shot put style and gunslinger mentality is still like, it's all still there, but it's all just a half second slower, you know, yeah. five yards less, 10 miles an hour less on the zip on the throw. It's just like, it, it's, he's just a shell of himself. And you look at all the quarterbacks from, that draft class, you, you look at Roethlisberger was out for the year. Mm-hmm. You look at Eli Manning, you know, was a backup to, to Daniel Jones. It is sad, and it happens very quickly. But to your point with, with the Chargers, I find this one fascinating because I keep going back and forth. Everyone keeps saying that they're going to be drafting their quarterback of the future. I'm, I feel like they are in win-now mode, right? I, like they have – crazy weapons on the outside you know hunter henry a tight end is is a dynamic tight end when healthy you have keenan allen you have mike williams you have uh you know all these different weapons at their disposal that phil rivers just could not get the ball to they look like a team that's ready to make a playoff push Mm -hmm. and i I, you know if i was a charger fan i would be concerned trying to take uh, you know trading all my assets up into the top five to groom a quarterback that may not be ready for a year or two when your team is constructed to win now yeah and I guess you know you have to look at you have to look at your division and make that you know decision about how competitive you think you can be where can you be if you had an improved quarterback look out across the league and say you know is the availability of a Cam Newton potentially something that entices you what other names might you plug in there to feel like you can get back into more of a win now mode and and then you have to be realistic right because even if you feel like you are quote in win now mode are 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 you really you know what you know what i mean like right. listen you can turn the page and get yourself back to nine and seven or maybe ten and six or something and have a good season and that's not bad but if you look at say a justin herbert and feel like wow you know if we weren't quote and win now mode we would want him then you have to take that big step back and say well we're talking about getting the next franchise quarterback because if you go into win now mode even if you finish nine and seven the next year you're not in the top of the draft you're not going to have an opportunity to take your quarterback so you know in the scenario that they went this route this is the one that you start to get more and more exciting here. And this is where it gets a little more interesting. So from six to four, we would also get ourselves a second round pick at five, along with a sixth round pick at seven. So now you're talking about getting an extra second round pick in here to back up two spots. Where would the Dolphins go in the scenario that the Chargers come up ahead of them? They're probably looking at offensive line as well. We know that they traded Tunsil away. So that's a potential as you know, also. So now this one, again, this starts to get pretty tasty here for me. If I drop back two spots in the first round and potentially still end up landing a guy that I want, um, and I also get myself an extra second round pick that I can use on an extra offensive lineman, now you're starting to, now you're starting to tantalize my taste buds, friend. Yeah, that's, that's moving the needle for me. I think, yeah, like a, a third round pick you know, is nice, and, and you expect uh, a, a third rounder to kind of be a complimentary piece, at least a fringe starter, if not a starter, uh, within the first eight, you know, year, year and a half, when you start moving into the second round, that's, that's a guy that you're drafting to make a, a more of an immediate impact on your football team. Obviously first rounders, you're expecting to be, you know, a starter for you for a decade, you know, second rounders are, are, are pretty valuable in, in this league. And yeah, knowing where that pick would land, you'd be in the high, you know, you'd be in the top almost 40 picks of the draft and you can really get an impact player on the offensive line or, or even uh, uh, on, on the defense cornerback, linebacker. So I feel like that would open us up to, to a lot of different options. Yeah, think about this scenario. And I don't know if Simmons would necessarily fall all the way to – you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because 
if you drop back to six with, uh, say, the Chargers, with Miami, you know, Simmons is a valuable player. Would they go for Simmons? But let's say you drop back to six and you get Simmons, and now you're sitting at the top of the second round with two, with two high second-round picks. You can go offensive lineman, offensive lineman, and rebuild, you know, and instantly rebuild the offensive line right there at the top of the second round. Now, after your first three picks, you've plugged in an impact sideline to sideline player on defense, and you've also brought in two new pieces to replace Remmers, and maybe it's, you know, someone that's either going to battle with and possibly replace, replace Nate Soldier, or maybe even the center position, right? Maybe you look to move on from and get a younger player in replacement of Jalapio. So that's how quickly you can turn the page on, on you know, on these opportunities. The the next one that we dive into here, and we'll move through this one a little bit quickly because I want to get to what the last one is, which I thought was the most intriguing, or, or at least makes you think the most. Uh, the, this is one with Carolina at seven. So again, we talked about, we mentioned Cam Newton there. Say he goes off to, you know, over to the uh, LA Chargers, and now all of a sudden there's availability for a quarterback in the draft uh, for the Carolina Panthers. A one at seven, you get their second round pick at six, you get a fifth round pick at six, and then you get a third round pick in the following 2021 draft. So, you know, you're getting a year out with some of the assets. You still get the second round pick, and now you get up to a five instead of a six. But now when you want to move to seven, and you're talking about Miami and LA, you know, being there in front of you potentially, I don't, this one is a little bit weird because if LA and the Chargers stay where they are and you drop back, you know, where what, who are they taking behind the Carolina Panthers? You know, someone there out of those two teams is going to go best best player available on the board, and I assume it could be an offensive tackle. And then you have to think about probably the cornerback out of, out of o, the Ohio State University or a guy like Simmons is going to be talked about in the five six range. You know, so I this is it's funny because we we didn't really talk about what our breaking points were, but this starts to be the breaking point to me where I feel like we need to get more draft capital. I don't feel mm-hmm. like that's enough to move back uh, to trade with the Panthers. I. I I don't mind moving back a spot or even two spots, but I know it, it sounds crazy, but moving back again, you said best player available. You know, Akuda from Ohio State's going to be taken probably in the top five. Yeah. Um, you know, Simmons likely to go in the top five, depending on how the run on quarterbacks goes. I still believe in offensive tackle is the way that we need to go in this first round, almost no matter where we draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just feels like we're not getting enough value if, if uh, you know, some of these teams, like you said, if if the Chargers trade for Cam Newton, they're they're not in the market for a quarterback. They're in the market for an impact player, and they're probably looking at the same people that the Giants are. So we, I don't know. It just feels like I I know it sounds crazy, but I want another first round pick if we're going to move, be moving back that far. And I don't know what the value chart says about that, but to me, moving that far back and losing out on one of these potential impact players. Uh, feels like we need a little bit more draft capital. Yeah, uh, and like you said, as you uh, even just those couple of extra spots, now you open it up, and a guy like Okuda, a guy like Simmons, those names are going to get talked. And, and really, and that's what the combination is too, right? It's you know who do you want, and who do you think these teams are going to go to? Who is Miami going to go to if you trade with anybody, and they still sit behind you at five? Remember, they traded away uh, Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, to the Steelers as well. So, you know, they have a need at cornerback. They have, you know, they have needs all over the roster. So there's no guarantee of how those dominoes are going to fall. And you would hate to be in a scenario of sitting there at seven and saying, okay, 
we missed out on, you know, missed out, quote unquote. We traded down. We don't have access to a couple of guys we wanted. Now I can, for you in your scenario, I can say, man, like you can still get a quality guy on the offensive line probably at that position, but there is still a risk involved there. And this is where we get to, you said you wanted that extra first round pick. So now this is, the, this is probably the one that requires the most thought because this does mean moving completely out of that range there of the top five to seven players. The Las Vegas Raiders. You want to paint a scenario where you're getting back a first round at 12, a first round at 19, and a third round pick at 17. Now, I don't know. I'd have to double check on the chart value there because I know obviously the two first round picks are big, but I actually think that there's more value to be had in this type of scenario. But just from a big picture, here you are talking about getting two first-round selections. You pad yourself out with an extra third. I'd be interested to hear your take first because I actually uh, – you may be a little surprised about what I had to say about this one. So I can't, I've been thinking about this for quite a while, and, and this has been kind of the way that I've been thinking about the Giants, especially you know as we'll move into some conversations around free agency. I don't see the Giants as being one piece away from being a serious contender in the NFC East, even though, you know, the NFC least this year, um, I think we're, we're multiple positions, multiple impact players on the defensive side, multiple players on the offensive line away from really putting a, a nice complimentary piece or, or two uh, to help Daniel Jones's progression. So I feel like I would have no problem moving out of the top 10. I, I am all about, gaining as many draft assets as humanly possible and taking two offensive linemen in the first round and taking uh, a defensive, you know, a defensive end, uh, you know, from the, the, especially the one from Iowa. I look at it like we have so many different holes to fill. I want to accumulate as much young, cheap talent that we can and then spend our draft, you know, our, our, uh, our budget, uh, for free agency on players to fill in the spots that we didn't able, we weren't able to fill in the draft. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, my, it's a hard one to push because, you know, I actually lean back on last year and being able to draft Dexter Lawrence where we did and seeing the impact that he had. And that's what moves my needle in the direction of saying, okay, you want to talk about giving me two quality picks here in the first round? And then also getting back another third round pick that we didn't have that we, you know, we've lost through the trade uh, again, Leonard Williams, just that, that trade's going to loom large over this draft for the New York football giants. But um, you know, the only, I guess the only difference would be, you know, versus these other scenarios where you get that second round pick, that high second round pick, you know, that to me is probably going to end up being because of the way things break down relatively the same difference because two picks high at the second round is the equivalent of having, you know, the 19th pick in the first round. And if you want to talk about, you know, value and the contracts, maybe you end up getting guys a little bit cheaper on their rookie deals by taking the top of the second. This specifically is really around the idea of offensive linemen and the depth that's there. There are some linebackers and edge rushers that are listed at the top of the second round as well. So I'd be a little curious to see, and we'd have to probably, I'd have to do a little bit more research to know who's going to be in that 12 and, and 19 kind of range to be able to, to be able to attack in the draft. Um, but I like it. You know, if you're, you know, the, the question really comes down to how far of the needle in terms of talent level is there between 19, 20 in the first round and four or five in the second round. That's the, really the question that you're asking, you know, and my, and my answer to you would be, I feel comfortable trading back and gaining assets 
as long as my man Tristan Wirfs is still on the board. I know we've talked. I've yeah, talked about him. Oh, I've been talking about him for probably it feels like you know a couple of months now. But even watching him in his bowl game, he was a he was a man amongst boys. And watching someone be able to dominate an offensive line like someone with someone like him, mm-hmm. he's you know most drafts have you know Andrew Thomas and, and maybe even you know the offensive tackle from Georgia and maybe an offensive lineman from Alabama going before him, which to me seems crazy because he to me is the best offensive lineman in the country if we can trade back to 12 13 14 and and still get an offensive tackle like Tristan Wirfs yeah I would I would sign up for that today well by the way I also don't mind doing the dirty dance of dropping back from four to six and then dropping back again you know what I mean like if I think you're putting a lot of faith in Gettleman to pull off these kind of maneuvers but in that somewhat patron kind of way to be able to be like, yeah, we'll drop back from four to six. We'll take your, you know, your second round pick at five. Great. Get your quarterback. Enjoy yourself. Somebody want, you want Simmons? He's still here and available for you if you want him. Great. We'll go ahead and we'll drop back from six. You know, maybe that kind of scenario there with Las Vegas is still on the table going from 12 and 19 up to six. And maybe you don't get that third round. Maybe that's a fourth rounder now on the back end. Great. We'll drop back to 12 and 19. Now we have a bonus second round pick as well. We also get a later fourth or fifth round pick. And, and again, I, I, I'm on your kind of page wavelength with that when it comes down to, unless you're in love with one of these players, and I don't think now outside of that getting back from that Chase Young opportunity, the offensive linemen are all kind of in that mixed bag. It's kind of maybe a little bit of personal preference for some of these you know, opportunities to draft them. Great assets 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 get every asset you can get in the door here because the other thing that i mentioned on the last podcast as well uh, you know you don't know how joe judge is coming in and assessing these players so some guys that you may feel good about or gettleman may have felt good about you may get some friction there maybe getting some pushback at certain positions how does joe judge look at the cornerback room is he seeing that and saying i want to stay at four and i need Oku- uh, you know okuda or maybe i can get him at six whatever it is but i need another cornerback in the room here when he looks at the defensive line, we like a lot of these guys. Maybe he looks down there and sees B.J. Hill, who came on a little bit late, and he sees value in that player. And, and to his press conference says, yeah, I think this guy was just getting misused a little bit. I don't think we were putting some of these guys in the best positions to have success on the field. So the way that they get uh, graded out and evaluated by the new head coach is also going to dictate what he sees as being needs in the draft and where you want to go. And then obviously you couple that with uh, you know, free agency and what he's going to look to attack. And we can certainly – uh, at this point, take a little. Uh, I want to do a little brief look over at, at free agency, and then we're gonna get out the door here because I promise these were gonna be quick, uh, quick, you know, little podcast that we did, Andy. And then I went a half hour on the uh, on the ball by myself. So, uh, well, Adam, Adam, yeah, yeah. To, to tie a bow on the draft, you know what the best part of all this is? Is we have an opportunity to trade back and get assets, and there is less than a one percent chance that Dave Gettleman actually does any of this. <laughs> if, if you if you've looked at his track record, he has never traded back in a draft as a general manager. He is a guy that would, if anything, he'll trade up from four to three to grab Okuda, and he'll give up another second-round pick to, to make, make that decision. Like He's not a guy that thinks about the long term. He thinks about, I want to hit home runs with early picks, and I will use all of my capital to get that person. So while, while we're sitting here thinking about what could be, I, I am thinking more pragmatically and, and realistically about what's actually going to happen. It's the Joe Judge effect. <laughs> no judge effect. We got so 
Yeah, maybe, you know, under the tutelage of Belichick and seeing how he loves trading back, maybe Joe Judge is like, hey, let's not spend all of our draft capital on moving up a spot. Let's, like, move back and maybe get a couple more pieces. What do we, what do we think, Dave? You know? Moving on. Free agency targets. We now turn our attention just briefly, and this really uh, – we could go into some different free agency options. I actually just want to get your take on the one that I mentioned last time because I, I think the, the, the listeners would like to hear your response to it. I, I brought up as being possibly one of the most crucial free agent targets. I know I had texted you somebody else that we were going to talk about now. I decided not to do that. Uh, <laughs> Jack, Jack Conklin, Tennessee Titan, right tackle, 25 years old. They did not exercise the fifth-year option on him coming into the season. He will be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he's going to land in that market of probably around five years. Uh, you know, there's some contracts that say four years at 47, 50 million, some at five years, 51, 52. So I, last time out, said five years, somewhere in the 50 to $60 million range to get in a right tackle who rated out 14 points higher than Remmers on pro football focus. Uh, we know the issues of the offensive line. I feel like personally, you know, the landscape in terms of free agents on the offensive line is not very deep. Uh, and I think some of, you know, some of the higher end ones are guys that are restricted and are going to end up getting back with their same team. Obviously, they're going to go into the draft. But regardless of, of what you do in the draft, I still think that targeting him has to be one of the top priorities for the Giants this offseason. I just want to get your take on it. Well, I mean, anytime a 25-year-old, you know, in his prime – tackle comes onto the market you you have to pay attention I mean you wouldn't be doing your due diligence if, if you did otherwise you you look at um you know how the Titans have been able to run the ball successfully this year you look at Derrick Henry who looks like a like he's from another planet right now with, with the way that he's running the ball and while, while he is a freak of nature in his size and stature he's not the only reason why they're having success the offensive line is being able to give him holes or you know have first contact three or four yards down the field and a lot of that has to do with, with someone like Conklin. So for me, I, I think it's a worthwhile investment. I, I, I do believe in trying to, to solidify the offensive line through the draft and free agency. I, I just get a little bit worried. Uh, you know, I'm a little gun shy now spending on, on the offensive line after the Nate Solder debacle. So like for me, I'm, I'm a little bit conscious about that. But at the same time, we have to take some risks and we have to solidify the offensive line to help not only Daniel Jones, but it helps Saquon Barkley. It helps the wide receivers because it gives them more time to get downfield. It's such an important piece uh, of the puzzle for us that I think sometimes goes a little bit overlooked, but any Giant fan uh, knows how important the offensive line really is after the last three years. This is the guy that's out there right now and playing at a high level. You know, by the way, I mentioned that before, 14 points higher on pro football focus. Do you know what do you know what fourteen points looks like on the field, Andy? You know the, uh, the, the quality it, more than anything, it's consistency, just consistency and reliability of what you're going to get. It'll help protect Daniel Jones. It'll help consistently open up holes for Saquon Barkley. I, I just think that this feels like the home run kind of hit that the Giants should be automatically looking towards. And I'll and, I, and I'll, I'll be curious what you know Joe Judge impact is as well. But I, I just think that this is a guy that you have to go out and sign. And then again take them first or second round you take a left tackle whatever it is maybe you look later round for a center as well and then you move on and you move on forward with this with this new offensive line but you need to move you need to turn the page on so many positions across this line and I, I need to see 
Nate Soldier having someone compete with him, where you look down the line, and you go, hey, by the way, uh, if you want to know what a tackle looks like, he's down the other side. You know, uh, something's got to change here. Well, well, Adam, I think the the two, I think we we've hit hit this home pretty much for for our listeners that we need help on the offensive line. There's no question about it. It needs to be some through the draft, some through free agency. We need help on the defensive side of the ball. Some through the draft and some through free agency. I think the the way that I'm looking at it is is kind of this. Uh, is yin and yang, so to speak. And I think if we go offensive tackle in the, fir- in the first round, then it pr- deprioritizes potentially spending $15 million on another tackle. I think then we got to look to the de- defensive side of the ball and say, how do we shore things up? Where are we going to spend our money? Um, you know, I'm looking at the defensive end from uh, Jacksonville, Yannick Ngakwe, yeah. Uh, as a guy that would fit so perfectly with some of our run stuffers and, and, and what we have on the defensive, defensive side of the ball. He can get some pressure on the quarterback. So I think if we go with a defensive end or, or, or a cornerback uh, in, in the draft, then I think we have to pivot to Conklin and you have to pay him the money. But I think either the t- defensive end or offensive tackle is going to be paid top five money in the draft because those are just areas of need that are screaming for someone to make an impact. Well, and let me cap. Well, listen, we'll, we'll get out the door on this one. I'm going to leave you with a question to ponder, Andy, before we come Ooh, back. I love it. One. Yeah, I love it. But, but here, uh, I'll also give you this scenario of the Giants go out, they sign Ngakwe, they sign Conklin in free agency. They stand pat at four, and they draft Simmons. And then maybe it requires some level of movement up from the second-round pick, something that we saw Gettleman do last year. And, but the Giants, no matter what, they end up securing Werfs there at the back end of the first round, early second round. Is that a scenario that you could get behind, Andy, if we just sign two major free agents out on the market? And I, I'll even say, you know, Simmons or possibly uh, Okuda. You know, there's some combination there. Defense there at the start, and then we go and we get your little offensive lineman there for you. You know, I mean, that, that's something that you can paint now where you get a, comp- a competition in behind Nate Soldier. And we talked about this, right? You're paying him the contract. Great. Guess what? If Wirfs comes in and he's better, he's better. See you later, Soldier. You're now a depth chart member. And you have to be willing to look at Soldier that way and say that we are trying to move forward and get better. We cannot stand pat with him at that position. So, Adam, I love pondering that, and I won't give away too much, but you obviously know how I would feel if that scenario plays out. But let me toss something back to you to ponder for, for, for next episode. Let's say we get someone like Simmons in the first round. Let's say we find a, you know, we trade back and we find a way to get worse. Let's say we get Ngakwe. Let's say we get Conklin and we shore up all these different pieces. My question to you is how close are we to being competitive and potentially being a playoff team? If all those dominoes fall the right way. They call that a tease in the business, friends. We're going to be coming back to you most likely on Monday with our next podcast episode. What does Andy feel about that little package that I laid out for him? Stay tuned, friends. How do I feel about the competition level of the New York football Giants going into the 2020-2021 season? (laughs) It's tantalizing. But nevertheless, we're out the door. Andy, welcome back. I missed you. Can't wait to do this again. And as always, let's go Big Blue. You can follow Adam and Andy at One Giant Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to download, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. This has been One Giant Podcast.